Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Well, all the practice matches are done and dusted, and we are only uh, nine days out from round one now, which is a very exciting time of the year. Um, and also, because we're nine days out from round one, it also means that we're having to start locking away our picks and what we're going to do in this podcast is we're just going to go through a few of the sort of standout performers from the um, practice matches and basically we're going to give you a verdict on which way we would be picking if we had to pick between uh, sort of players similarly similarly priced um so um I've got we've got both Thomas and Jonas here tonight so um we're going to just get started straight away. Um, so the first matchup we've got here is uh, Doherty versus Dawson. Um, so obviously, um, I think a lot of us, in, myself included, have flicked between both of these two um, throughout the preseason sort of last few months. Um, I might throw this one to you, Thomas. Um, if you had to pick between these two, which one are you going for? And maybe just give a short reason why. Um, yeah, it's a tough one because, I mean, we've obviously seen a fair few teams being sent through to us structure-wise. You can probably only pick one of it. Well, you can pick two of these realistically. Um, just depends on the structure-wise that you go and how deep you bat in other other fields. Um, yeah, obviously, with, with the stats on these ones, these are from the pre-season games <clears throat> just gone by. Um, you probably can't go wrong with either, to be fair. Um, I think Role-wise, specifically, I'd go with Doherty, um, just because if I yeah, if I was forced to pick between the two, I'd pick Doherty. Um, probably has a better role um, compared to Dawson. I know they're very similar roles, but the main difference I saw um, is that Dawson kind of um, plays a mix between he, he pushed up to a wing kind of pushes up that ground and we'll get the ball obviously in the half back role. But Doherty, everything goes through him, everything went through him in the preseason game. Um and he played pretty much that quarterback role or the architect for that Carlton defence. And yeah, it, that's explains why he got a huge score, but um everything went through the guy and, and yeah, there was a bit of doubt on whether he played midfield or whatever. Um but it doesn't seem to be the case. And as soon as Cripps and Walsh are back around one, I don't think there's an issue with that. And I think he plays pretty much just behind the ball. Um, and he gets most of the, you know, he starts most of the play. So him and Sada, obviously the two off the half-back line, but he's one that kind of pushes just behind the contest and really is damaging by foot. And he's elite by foot as well. As you can see, 34 disposals, 154 points. You can't go wrong. Yep. Um, are you going to agree with uh, Tom there, Jonas, or are you going to go, or are you going to support your love child um i think these are both two players you want in your final team but i think it will be easier to pick up dawson at a more discounted price earlier on in the season because doherty's got a pretty good um midfield sort of defense role playing some good teams that he can score well against early on whereas dawson's got the finn mcginnis tag in round six so he, he could cop um, a fair bit of attention that game and lose a bit of money. Um, and then you could maybe pick him up at, say, 550 at some stage. So for that reason and that reason alone, I probably will lean towards Doherty if I had to pick just one. But at the moment, I like having both in my team. 
Um, so yeah, don't think you can really go wrong. Yeah, so at the minute I've got Doherty there at the minute, and I think I would have to pick him as well if I had a verdict here because he's been in my side more than what Dawson has. I think Dawson's sort of floated in and out a bit, whereas I think Doherty's pretty much been stable there um, since, uh, since maybe since the start of sort of maybe a month ago, three weeks ago. So um, yeah, I think for mine I'd go Doherty as well. Uh, moving on, so we've got the next rung of defenders here, I believe. Uh, yeah, so we've got uh, Nick Dacos and Jordan Ridley. Um, so Dacos obviously copped the Finn McGuinness tag, as Jonas just alluded to. And Ridley looked back to his old role, um, albeit it was against St Kilda. Um, and the ball did spend a lot of time down there. So... Um, Jonas, I might throw this one to you. Who are you picking out of these two? Um, it would be pretty easy to say Ridley purely based off the preseason game, but I think I'll still go Dacos just because there's upside with the fact that he's a year older, he's a bit stronger, he's got better endurance. Um, in theory, Collingwood will be uh, a stronger team. And we have a stronger midfield, so he should play a bit more in his preferred position, which is at the moment half back um, and pinch hitting in the midfield. So I still think Dacos is probably the slightly better option. Um, Ridley, there are a lot of people in that back line. You've got Redmond, for instance, who could take a few points off him. So I'm still a bit uncertain about that and also uncertain about how the Essendon game plan will um, play out. Like, they look pretty ordinary on the weekend. Do they want to keep persisting with that sort of game style? I'm not sure. So, for me, I think Dacos, even though he'll cop a fair few tags, he should still pump out some pretty good scores. Yeah. Um, are you going to go along with that, Thomas? Yeah. Um, it's a very tricky one, really, because... Because it's you're basing it off one sample size um, with Dacos and Ridley. Um, yeah, Dacos obviously caught the McGuinness tag, and it was a very very tight one. And whoever McGuinness gets this year, I think, is in for a rough Supercoach score, regardless of the fact. And yeah, I think a lot of people have jumped ship um, with Dacos, but yeah, I think with the resurgence of the likes of coming and Ridley, um, it makes it hard not to pick them ahead of the likes of Dacos. Um, on the flip side, you know, Ridley had quite an easy game defensively, even though they got beaten by us. I mean, he didn't play against the most, you know, efficient forward line in the world. We had a pretty much a really second-rate forward line going on, so he really didn't have much opposition. I think he played on Philippou for half the game. So other than him playing an easier opposition, I think his role's still there, um, or his old role, his old role is there, 12 marks, 27 disposals. Um had a fair few kick-ins as well, I think. Um, I know I posted on Twitter beforehand about the kick-in stats. Um, let me just bring them up real quick. Um, yeah, I think for Ridley, I think this is the big one for him yeah. if you're going to go down this path, is yeah. kick-outs. I think there wasn't, there wasn't too many kick-outs they had all together because obviously he could have converted quite well. But out of the five, Ridley took two, Redmond took two. So... You know, whether whether it be seen, they split him up more, but it definitely seemed like he has all, he'd, he had his old role back rather than playing a, you know, a, a half to half 
halfback defender one-on-one type. He was back to his kind of loose defender. The risk is, is that, you know, you got McGrath and Redmond and we only saw one game. So a lot of people are jumping on because of that one game. So it's hard to say. And obviously, Dacos copped a McGuinness tag and still scored all right. 72 super coach points for a ta- heavy tag game is actually pretty good. Um, but I'd probably just roll alone um, and the potential that maybe other teams might start nullifying Dacos a little bit. Um, I'd say Ridley as well, just. Yeah, so, I mean, I think for for me, I think I think I would have to go Dacos here. Um, I think you're looking at the future right now. I mean, uh, David King thinks Dacos can win a Brownlow this year. So, you, you know, if you can get a Brownlow potential, you, you know, someone who might, if you've done cop tags, you know, push for a Brownlow in your second year of 500k, um, yeah, I think I'd be perhaps going down that route. But, uh, yeah, look, I think either way, I think I don't think you can probably go wrong with both of them. I guess Dacos's role is probably a little bit better than Ridley's, given that he's probably not going to be stuck in the back pocket locking yeah. down on someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the flip side, he might cop some attention um, from, you know, from other taggers so yeah i think that's a watch and play but i think based on exposed form i think i would lean towards day cost just on that one um we'll move on now to the next matchup which is uh midfielders so laird and oliver um so the two most expensive midfielders in fact i think they might even be the two most expensive players in the in the game this year um, obviously, Laird got 151 and was everywhere, and Oliver only got 95. Um, which way are you leaning here, Thomas? Um, well, I've got Laird on my side, and I think Jonas has done the same. Um, I think Jonas watched that game, yeah, the preseason game, and he went berserk, and he was off, you know, barely 70% game time. So, yeah, he's he stepped up a notch, and I think the Adelaide side in general. Um, is a bit stronger than last year. They've fixed a few things up, and they've got a decent midfield starting to set up, and they've got a good forward line structure at the moment with Fogarty actually finding some form for once in his life. So, um, yeah, I think Laird in this one, you see there, 32 disposal. He just tackles for fun as well. Um, him getting tagged, is, is even though he does, he just kind of – he's he's been tagged before last year, and he still scored 100s. Um, he just tackles his way out of it, and he finds ways to find the ball. He's an elite midfielder, and there's a reason why they put him back in there where he belonged off instead of halfback. Um, Oliver's an interesting one. He's um, You can see there, 31 disposals and didn't crack the ton. He played a real uh, pretty wishy-washy game, I'd say, real uncontested stuff. Um, and Even swapped with Brayshaw off halfback, so Petrarca did a lot of the stuff forward of centre. Um, whether or not this is just Oliver in second gear and they're just protecting him a little bit before the start of the real season um, is yet to be seen. But he's got a tough opening fixtures. He's got the dogs first up as well. I mean, you know, traditionally he's done all right against dogs, but, um, you know, he's known for his tackle pressure as well and it wasn't evident uh, on the weekend. But as I said, that could be just similar, you know, to a Jack Steele where they might be just taking it a bit easier. Um, but yeah, I'd say Laird on this one. There's not much of a price difference. It'd be a different conversation if... You know, you were you were you're pitting him up against someone like a a steal or someone a little bit different, but will you save yourself 100k or reinvest that money elsewhere? But Laird is, I think, the way to go out of those two in particular, um, with the uncertainty of how that midfield 
structure is going to work with with the likes of the Ruckman and 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 Brayshaw and you know Viney coming back eventually. You know you don't know where that structure is going to look like, but yeah, Laird, Laird I think is the way to go. Are you in the Laird camp as well, Jonas? Yeah, I've been firmly in this camp for a while. It's just hmm. he's far more consistent in terms of like going 120, 120, 120, rather than 150, 90, and he doesn't get tagged. So I think he's just the sort of option where if you pay up, you're not getting value, but you're getting someone at their price, whereas with Oliver, he's the sort of player where he might spark a really good game, but then follow that up by two slightly mediocre games, which means you can pick him up um, at, say, a 620 at some stage in the year. So I don't want to be... Letting other people pick up a player that I started with at 70k cheaper. So, yeah, yeah for me, it's led. Yeah, well, I was actually firmly in the Oliver camp up until the games. And I did watch a bit of both of these games. And you have to say, Led was mighty impressive. He just, the ball just seemed to be attached to him in those, um, in those, um, center bounce work. I think he had like eight clearances or something for the game. So, yeah, I think the other thing too with Oliver, so last year I know he fell after about round four or something. I think I got him at about 630-odd K. Um, so I think he might start a bit slow, Oliver, whereas I think Laird came out of the blocks and scored like five or 620-pluses in a row to start the year. So, yeah, I think out of these two, I think, Oliver's probably the one I can see more likely to fall in price. Um, so, therefore, I think I would be jumping on the Laird bandwagon there. But I, I will say I have had Oliver a lot of the summer. But, um, yeah, I think I'm going to jump ship and pay the extra, I don't know what it is, like 3 or 4K um, and go up to Roy Laird. So, that's that one. Um, right, moving on to the next one. So Bond and Petrarca, two obviously damaging players, especially front of centre. Um, who are you picking here, um, Jonas? For me, it's I'd see upside in Bontepelli with Dunkley leaving the midfield. And I think there are a few players who might enter the Melbourne midfield, like Pickett will pinch it in there. And Petrarca... I'm I'm not sure if he's going to be a top eight mid this year, whereas I'm pretty confident Bont will be a top four mid. So for me, this is a pretty straightforward decision. Um, yeah, Bont and Pelo. Are you the same, uh, Thomas Bont here? Yeah, Bont all the way. Um, he has left my side. We know this champion dad will love him to bits. So, um. Yeah, I think he's an easy pick. Obviously, Petrarca looks actually quite impressive. I saw a bit of that game on the weekend, and he's really damaging off forward of centre, and he seems to be the better of the two when it comes to the ruck tap-outs in comparison to Oliver at the moment. He seems to be reading it quite well, and he's just really untaggable with him. He can play wherever. He's a freak. But having said that, um, yeah, Bont seems on the weekend and be... Swapping with, with McRae in the rotations, I could see without Dunkley, they need that bigger body in there, so Bont will play majoritively midfield. I think they've got their forward structure sort of. There was some doubt with Bont potentially playing a bit more half forward, but now they've got Jamari, Hagen, um, 
they've got Aaron Norton, they've got a plethora of options up for Lob. So yeah, Lob now as well. So unless two out of the three go down early, I can't see Bont um staying out that uh, going out of that midfield. Um he'll rotate obviously with McRae perhaps and you know the likes of Trumore and um Bailey Smith. But yeah, Bont I think is the way to go. Um in this one if you were forced between the two. Petrarca's a nice pod, um, especially if he pumps out a couple, you know, one twenties, one thirties early doors, but yeah, Bond twenty seven disposed, two goals, um, for a one fifty performance against a pretty average North Melbourne lineup is what you expect against those sort of shooter teams for sure. Yeah, um I've had Bond now for probably as long as I've I've had Doherty, to be honest, probably three or four weeks now. Um I I think he's just about number one midfielder at this stage. I know that the Herald Sun released an article earlier today and they think that he might end up as a number one midfielder. So if you're going to pay however much he's 629, I think he is, six something around there, um, to get the number one midfielder, um, yeah, I think that's enough for me to, you know, grab grab him up. And I think... I think the other thing too with Bond is I think because he's had to spend time forward when he probably hasn't had to, um, I think he's sort of developed a bit of forward craft. So if he ever does get chucked forward, um, it might be more of a drifting type role, like um, maybe like Dustin Munn from Richmond, where he sort of starts in the middle, but then he has the freedom and the luxury just to drift forward. Um, so, yeah, I think, he will probably be at most of the Bulldogs' centre bounces this year, I would hope, considering I think he's probably their best clearance player now that Dunkley's gone. Um, yeah, so I am firmly in the Marcus Bontempelli camp on this one. Uh, so we've got a bit, couple of sort of higher-priced rookies or mid-prices here. So we've got James Warple and Finn Callahan. Um, I might throw this one to you, Jonas. Um, which one are you picking here? I like um the money you save on Callahan. He's got, I think, after the weekend's performance on the wing, more job security. I'm still a bit unsold on um Warple's job security, even though he's had two good games. He's still not the best kick, and I'm not sure if they will persist with him, but he did look pretty good, and he does have the better role. But if I had to pick one, it would be Callahan purely because 80,000 goes a long way um, in this game or 70,000 or whatever you save. And I think judging by how he scored the 111, 22 touches, is really clean by foot, reads the play well, and I think GWS have to play him. Um, they need to get games into these sort of players. So, yeah, for me, I'm going Callahan. although the Warple option isn't bad because he does have the better role if he can keep it. Are you, Thomas, are you in the um, uh, Callahan camp as well? Yeah, uh, 100%. I think Warpool I'm not a huge fan of. In general, when it That's comes fine. to coach, I don't think his translation of possessions correlates with his um touches i think i mean he's yet to be proven in a, in a full season i think 
I read somewhere that I think one of the coaches, I don't know if it was Mitchell or one of the assistant coaches, basically so came out and said he's been most impressive pre-season. He's up there, you know, already in BNF calculations with how good he's going. But I think he just butchers it a lot enough that it doesn't really correlate. I think Taranto, he's basically a B-Tech Taranto, if you want to dumb it down. Um, Taranto, he gets enough possessions to score, right, and he can have a bit, bit of a goal threat. But, yeah, Warpool, I think, just isn't quite there. Supercoach, 100% AFL Fantasy, I, I pick him, um, but not for, for Supercoach. Um, Callahan, yeah, very impressive from what I saw. Um, big body player and always looked to move forward and was always, you know, getting the one-twos off the guys like Cogs and moving the ball forward. Um, two goals, 22 disposals, yeah, pretty pretty consistent game. Um, and he's he's had huge reps, I think, in the GWS camp uh, for a while now. So it will be a bit more doubtful if it was if, if the likes of, yeah, Cogs, Kelly, all that weren't there, but they're all there and played, and he still was one of the best on ground, so... I think he's worth the risk at 244k or whatever he is, and um, you save a bit of money going down from Warpool, and you can even have him sitting at, you know, your F6, uh, not F6, M6 if you really want to, and have that assurity of scoring. I think even if um, he does score pretty shit round one, I think there, you know, Geneva is a pretty soft round, a soft first six game, so you expect a decent score off him against Adelaide, but yeah, I think he's one just to, to keep and. Um, Kind of rate the benefits, and he's pretty even pretty popular, popularly owned. I think come round one. Yeah, so uh, I'm in the Callahan camp on this one as well. I think Warple. I think you guys have touched the um, nozzle with Warple out with his disposal efficiency. I'm not really sold on Callahan. I would have loved to have seen him go into centre bounces, but. He didn't attempt one. So that's the only slight knock I have on Callahan is if he's stuck out on the wing for the whole game, what does that do to his scoring, given that traditionally wingers don't really score that well? Um, but, yeah, it's hard to knock the way that he played on um, against um, Gold Coast. He was brilliant. Um, but, yeah, that's probably my only slight concern is that if he doesn't kick goals... Um, what's that going to do to his scoring? But yeah, 245k or whatever it is, I don't think you can really complain about that. And yeah, as Jonas said, they do need to start blooding some of these younger players, the Giants. Otherwise, they're going to end up in a um in a situation where all of their players are wanting to leave again. So yeah, I think for mine, I'm in the Callahan camp along with you two. Uh, Rux, um, so Gorn v. Wits, um, so obviously Gorn 153, uh, Supercoach points and Wits 101. Um, Thomas, I might give this one to you. Um, who are you picking out of these two and why? Uh, well, I don't have either of them in my team at the moment, but... I've been, yeah, tough one. I'd probably, from what I saw from Gorn, I'm going to go with him out of the two, I think. If I'm going to put it on a limit, I don't know if Jonas and Nathan are going to disagree with me, but, yeah, what I saw from Gorn was crazy good. Um, Now, obviously, he's not going to get three goals to every game. Um, But, yeah, he didn't have that many hit-outs. He had the hit-outs with Grundy, so he isn't reliant on hit-outs, but he just dominated along the ground. I think having, around the ground, sorry, I think, 
having Grundy there alongside him kind of, I think, it helps him um, negate the pressure off him a little bit. Um, there's times in games last year where it almost felt like he was forced to really do a bit too much as a ruckman and, you know, be like a Royal Marshal and be everywhere in the contest. But, yeah, we're having Grundy there helps as well. He can kind of do what he does best and sit behind the ball in defence and just take intercept after intercept. Um, yeah, Wits, obviously, he's priced accordingly. He's one that just trundles along. He's very reliant on hitouts. He doesn't do much around the ground. But, yeah, I think if you're looking for ceiling, um, Wits just hasn't provided that in the last year or so. Um, he obviously broke out the year before. But last year, I mean, I owned him and was a bit disappointed. I think I jumped on a little bit later, so I missed out on a few bigger scores. But, yeah, just hit outs to advantage. Um, not quite there or not quite as consistent for Wits as it has been in the past for him. But just watching him live a couple of times last year, just didn't get the ball rolling with him. And I think really struggled to go on the ground, go around the ground with some of the more mobile Ruckman. Um, but... Yeah, I've had I've had wits all preseason and moved into someone else who we'll speak about next um, as a bit of a cheaper option. But I think from what I saw from Gorn, I think he could almost be worth that risk of going a little bit different. But if you want to play it safe, I think wits is definitely the the better option. But if you want to go a little tad riskier, and you already have a bit of you know that money in the bank because you have gone that wits and can afford to go twenty k up, I think Gorn might be you know a little bit a, a bit of a cheeky pod and. Um, could really set you up if he dominates in the first couple of rounds, that's for sure. Where are you leaning towards this one, Jonas? This is probably a bit of a 50. This is probably the most 50-50 one I reckon we've had so far. There's both are genuine options here. So where where are you leaning towards? I sort of disagree to an extent. Gorn's sharing the rock load with Grundy. Gorn has had two sort of soft tissue, tissue injuries in the last six to eight months. And Gorn's more expensive. So for me, I much prefer the Wits option. It's more of a question as to whether or not you go Wits or Darcy and you trust that Darcy has the majority of the ruck share against um, Jackson. I just think Wits, you know what you're going to get. Gorn, the only plus I'd say with starting Gorn is um, the fact that he could get for DPP, but he's going to go down in price. That's 100% going to happen he'll have some good games but he'll also have games where he scores 70 for instance and his price plummets plummet. so i'd rather get him into my team once he's scored 70 rather than yeah when he is scoring 70 i think jonas is on is a fair point um but yeah i think if you want to play risky you know i think you got to put by the bullet a little bit quicker than than most you obviously you can play the safe game and see how he goes first couple rounds, but um, you're yeah you're stuck in a hard place if he goes shit first round because you we can only well I mean you can only go down from there. I think it'd be the opposite if Corn was a price at say four fifty and then you're stuck at a mid price of position and can't get anywhere. But if you want to play the risky game, I think and you you're happy with that six hundred k plus ruckman Corn might be not a bad option, but it is risky. Yeah, so I think this is pretty similar to the Laird v. Oliver matchup. I think Gorn has the highest ceiling, but it's probably uh, in, in a, a bit more up and down in his scoring. And Wits, I think Wits is probably the more consistent one. Um, so 
in that case, I would probably go with Wits, but I do agree with Thomas, and I think there might be someone else coming up where if you choose to have this person and the way that he played in the practice match, I think you could honestly have anyone at R1 and you'll be fine, to be honest with you. But I'll we will see now if he comes up. So, yeah, I'm going Wits for that one. Uh, in fact, he's not in here at all. So I'm just going to say it now. So I think if you've got Rowan Marshall, um, I think you can probably take a punt on Max Gorn, to be honest. Um, yeah. If you don't have Marshall, then I probably wouldn't be picking Gorn. Um, but that's just me. Um, so, yeah, moving on now. So uh, Darcy in English. Um, so Darcy, obviously... 127 and 38 hitouts, but Luke Jackson didn't play. Um, and Tim English was probably a bit quiet, to be honest, on what I think a lot of people were expecting. Um, Thomas, uh, which one are you picking out of these two? Uh, yeah, I've got Darcy on my side currently. Um, originally surprised reasons, but I'm kind of warming up to him a little bit. I just don't like him playing against Marshall first round. I've got both of them on my side at the moment, so... It's, it's kind of like you hope they don't negate each other and both score shit or they both do really well and they, you know, just rock well for their sides. Um, Darcy, very, very impressive from what I saw. Um, obviously, it is that awkward sample size where Jackson wasn't there and then, you know, Jackson played forward last time. It's just hard to see what their split will be. I think there's a bit of risk placed in that. I don't think Darcy's ruck time will be significantly affected by Jackson. It's not like... Um, they'll chuck Jackson in the ruck full-time, play Darcy up forward, unless there's an injury concern. Um, Darcy's tap work, from what I saw in the footage, was elite. I think he's, he's got Bargorn um, and even Paddy Ryder back in the day. I think he's got one of the best tap ruck work in the game. Just reads it so well, and um, he's got an elite midfield. You know, you've got O'Meara now added in the mix, and you've got Brayshaw and Sarong, so they, they know each other's games very well. Um and I think the comparison between Darcy and obviously English and, and even Wits in there, um, his tap out to advantages is what really helps him. And that's where he gets those huge scores, which is really good. Um, English on the flip side is, yeah, disappointing from what I saw. I thought I expected a lot more off him. Um, obviously, a tough gig against Goldie, Sherry, Combin, all kind of trioing against him. Um, but yeah, I think. It's a little bit disappointing from what we expected from English and, and the breakout potential. Um, he's always been there. He's been that mobile ruckman that we compare him to Royal Marshall and the ability he's got. But from what I saw personally in the practice games and last year owning him, I think he just doesn't cover the ground as well as someone like a Marshall and doesn't get his hands on the ball enough effectively. Um, and obviously the other risky part is, as you guys are probably well aware, is his concussion history. Um, as soon as he gets a knock to a set, he's out probably for another two to three weeks, unfortunately, with with how anal they are about with the concussion protocols and for the safety of the player and things like that. So there is a bit of risk attached to that. But on the flip side, he, he, he's a sole ruck, so, you know, sweet and stuff is not really going to affect him too much. But, yeah, I'd say Darcy out there too. First of all, we'd seal him, but just the tap out to advantages really help him quite effectively. Yeah, uh, same here, Jonas. Are you in the Darcy camp? Yeah, I'd say Darcy. English has had too many niggles in the preseason and in the past for my liking. And if you're struggling to get through a preseason, how are you going to get through 23, 24 AFL games? I, I don't see it happening. So 
whilst Darcy isn't exactly bulletproof, he's in better condition at the moment um, and also in better form. So I'd rather bank on that. Yeah, so the only thing, so I'm going to go Darcy here, even though I've had English for most of the preseason. But the only problem I have with Darcy is I think with Jackson being in there, I think he's got an impact in the forward line. Um, so if he can impact in the forward line, well, then this is a clear-cut um, Darcy all the way. Um, whereas, you know, English is going to be the solo ruck, and he's he's probably, I mean, he sort of broke out a bit last year, but, yeah, there's the injury history there. Um, and there's also the fact that um, he's still probably a bit on the shorter side in terms of his muscle compared to a lot of the other ones, um, which it, it can take Ruckman, you know, 18 years to get, you know, sort of fully, you know, into the system and whatnot. So, yeah, I think I would go Darcy out of the two, um, but just with that slight question mark that if he can, if he doesn't impact up in the forward line, um, I'm not quite sure what's, what that's going to do to his scoring. Um, but yeah, anyway, we'll move on. Um, so we've got the forward. So we've got uh Connor Rosie and Golden. So Golden just had the ball on the string. Um, and Rosie, I think, probably did enough to cement his place in a lot of sides. Um, I might do Jonas on this one. Who are you picking out of these two? currently have both in my team, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably go the safety of Rosie because I think he is guaranteed more mid-time, whereas Goulden, it's a bit of an unknown. You haven't really seen any sustained form um, from him in the midfield, although you look at his ceiling and it's quite scary, so it's something you don't want to miss out on either. But having said that, I think the Rosie pick is the one that's more likely to um, work out in the long run. So if I had to pick one, it would be Rosie and then maybe watch Gordon over the first two rounds, see what his mid-split is, and if it's good, potentially jump on then. The only issue in doing that is you're behind the pack. Um, so it's one where it really depends on what your risk appetite is. You know, it almost feels like both these players are highly owned and can potentially go really well. So... It's a tough decision, but I think Rosie will outscore Gordon, so I'd be going Rosie. Less competition in the midfield. How about you, Tom? Um, yeah. It would be nice if Gordon went under 100 and didn't fucking go 200. Yeah. And then, yeah, I had him um, penciled in before the last preseason games as a potential option. But unfortunately, the bloke has to get 45 disposals and three goals and basically one-third of the competition on him, unfortunately, you know, it was always going to be inevitable. Um, yeah, I've got both as well. Same with Kankuris, Jonas. I think if you're forced to pick one, probably go with Goulden. Um, a lot of the teams I've seen floating around have got your likes of Dunkley, Cogs, Rosie, um, who am I missing? Uh, Taranto. Taranto, yeah. So, the, the, you know, the ones that people are kind of knocking out are, the, are your Rosies or Cogs. Um, yeah, I think if you want to play it safe, I think Rosie's got the runs. The Rosie's got the runs on the board. 
But if you're forced to pick one and you desperately wanted Cogs for whatever reason as, as that option or you want to get rid of Taranto, um, I mean, you didn't want to get rid of Taranto and, and keep those guys, you probably um, stick with stick with Rosie. Uh, stick with Goulden, sorry, and just, you know, I think it's gotten to that point now where one third of the competition own him um, that you don't want to miss out if he goes bonkers first round. Who have they got first round? They've got... Um, uh, they've got Gold Coast on the Gold Coast. Yeah, so he's one that, you know, could just go absolutely nuts against the Gold Coast side that um, is known to leak points as well. I'm just seeing who they played. They played Carlton preseason without... Yeah, the problem is they've been playing with Walsh and Cripps, so it's hard to gauge that. But Rosie's mid-split isn't great as well. Um, so it's kind of hard to see. But, yeah, if it's toss of the coin, I think with those ones, you ideally want both. But if I was forced in my hand, I think you'd probably afford to take Gordon over Rosie, just considering how much of the competition own him. Yeah, so I think for these two, I think, as you touched on and Jones did as well, um, I think the most important thing with these two is how much midfield minutes they're getting. Um, so I would have loved to have seen Cullen Mills play on uh, on the in the game against Carlton just to really, you know, shore up that Gordon's going to be in that sort of first go-to centre bounce group at the Sydney Swans. Um, so. I mean, I I think both of them will probably end up being around the mark. Um, I think at this stage, I'd have to go Rosie just, and that's purely based on the, his second half of last year, um, where I think he basically walked into the All-Australian side off half a season. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Port Adelaide really like Rosie in the centre bounce because I think he provides a bit of speed and a bit of X factor in there. Um, but because he's got that forward craft as well, if he gets thrown forward, it means that, you know, he, he might be able to impact the scoreboard. So, you know, if you're a midfielder, which is where he seems to be playing, and then you can go forward and impact the scoring, well, then that, that's pretty much the perfect player. Um, for super coach, especially in the forward lines. So, mm. yeah, I think I would have slightly more trust in Rosie. Um, but Gordon is coming. I'm going to say that now. He's coming. And, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he was a top, you know, four or five mid, um, forward by the end of the year, Gordon. But I think yeah. at this stage, I think I would have to favour Rosie just slightly. Yeah, um, they've got run. You've got runs on the board with Rosie. That's such yeah. a good thing. Like even if he plays half forward, the bloke is so clean. Twenty-five disposals. You know, doesn't really correlate sometimes to a hundred plus hundred and ten. But when he played in that pracky game, um, you know, class above. Yeah, yeah, he was a class above Golden. So, um, yeah. So uh, moving on to next one. So Turner Bruin and Fife. Um, who are you picking here, Thomas? Which one? Um, yeah, Bruin's in my side at the moment. Um, not with the much with a lot oh. of confidence. Um, I think you know he's a bit of a reactionary pick in the fact that he obviously hasn't gone consistently high scores. The Cats love him, though. They've had huge raps. He seems yeah, like a Joel Selwood-esque replacement, for sure. Um, 
yeah, 112 super coach points speaks for itself. But from what I saw, he played dominant, predominantly midfield. There's not many players coming back in that Geelong side that can take that from him, I think. And he's a big body midfielder from what I saw. Um, and, you know, seven tackles just showed how manic pressure he is. Yeah, I think he played a bit off halfback as well. Or no, maybe not halfback, even just some man in the back line. When he was resting and he just, yeah, manic pressure, just tackle, tackle, tackle. Didn't give the ball away too often. He was very clean from what I saw as well. Um, so I'd have him over five. Five, obviously, yeah. He just keeps doing it, um, to be fair. That's why, I guess, obviously, other than namesake, um, he's one that just keeps getting it done. Uh, he gets the three goals. And, you know, unfortunately for him, I think his ceiling is just not there anymore. Um, he's not going to get three goals every game. Um but yeah, 15 goals, three goals is 90 super coach points. Yeah, just not worth it. I think there's better options out there. You've got even Flanders long as well, which we haven't touched on this this episode. Um, for sure is is a concern. But yeah, he's in a lot of teams, I think, purely because of name namesake and um, you know, his his history of scoring, but the guy's made of tissue paper, so there's you yeah. can't need for him to miss games or be rested, but I think his role is pretty much set in the forward line now with the likes of Brayshaw, Amira, and Sarong in that midfield. But I think, yeah, Fife's, Fife's prime to spend a lot of time at half forward or deep forward. But what are your thoughts, Nathan? Have you got either of the two in your side? Well, I don't have either of the two, and I would like to thank you for omitting my favourite mid-price forward, which is Jason Horn Francis from this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you know, I have had, um, Horn Francis in my side for probably a couple of weeks. Um, I have had to get rid of him because his role just wasn't there. Um, look, I haven't had either of these two and I, I don't really have a lot of confidence that they can push up into the top sort of eight forwards 10 forwards which is where i think at this price you'd probably want them to get to ideally um so yeah look just because of the way this is if i had to pick one i'd pick bruin just purely because i think he's got more upside um whereas i think five you know if he's not kicking three goals in that game you know that might only be you know 70 you know 75 super coach game and I don't even think we're having this conversation. So, yeah, I mean, I think Fife's going to score heaps of goals given his body and his, you know, his frame and the fact that he'll attract defenders towards him. But, yeah, I think if you're in the forward line in Supercoach, you'd probably want to be playing through the midfield, ideally. And I think Bruin kicks those boxes. So, um, yeah, I will go to Bruin. But, yeah, I'm dodging both of these um, players here. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a bonus one here. Yeah, this, um, was sent, this was sent in by, I think his Twitter handle is that negative guy on Twitter. Um, so chuck him a follow. He's got some pretty unique content. But, yeah, he, he sent this one through. Yeah, so Tim Taranto and uh, Tom Green. Um, so this is a bit of a tough one here because we, we, this was a sort of looking across different positions here. Obviously, Taranto's a mid-forward, but you'd probably be picking him in the forward line. Obviously, Tom Green's only a midfielder. Um, who are you going down this path with, Thomas? 
Um, yeah, I mean, the reason I brought this up, obviously they're in different positions, but the, yeah, the, the main reason I did actually put this into our episode was because of the fact that a lot of people have contemplated in bringing in uh, or try to squeeze in the four primo forwards and a, and a Goulden, and by doing so, they place someone like a Dunkley in the midfield, and by doing so, you're sacrificing someone like a Tom Green. So I think, is Taranto mid-eligible as well? I'm pretty sure yeah. Yeah, so forward, if, you, yeah. if you use that same logic, and that's why we put them head to head, is Taranto pushes into the mids for you guys, uh, for anyone that selects him, and then you're obviously sacrificing because they're the similar price, someone like Green. I think by that logic, I think it's not worth it, um, just because of Green's output and any midfielder's output at that point. I think you're risking it big time if you're saying, right, I want to have four guaranteed. Um, top end forwards. Obviously, that's your logic is you want those four forwards, but you can't afford them. So you dump one of the midfielders in expense of someone priced like Green. Obviously, you could in an ideal situation, you're going to have both across the forward line and midfield, but I think you're sacrificing a lot um, because you obviously, you know, taking into consideration you're comparing uh, someone like a Taranto compared to someone like a Green or your LDUs or your teachers who are capable of scoring 150 on any given day. Um, so I guess in this case you just got to go green if you hit, if you want to you know compare them and to answer that negative guys question on Twitter. Um, yeah, I think green's the way to go if you if you want to sacrifice one of the two. Um, I think yeah, as I said, Taran's going to get enough I think possessions from Richmond's midfield, especially with Presti going down that pracky game. Um, but Green has just got the capabilities of going absolutely nuts. And Taranto, I think he just his disposal efficiency lets him down a bit that. As we see there, 33 disposals, eight marks, usually translates to a much better score, like a you know 130, 140. Obviously, 124 is quite impressive, and he started off quite slow, and they got soundly beaten by Melbourne. Um, but what are your thoughts, Nathan, on that destroyed. logic? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that logic and, and the idea of you know pushing one of those forwards into the mids in, in, in lieu of uh, sacrificing a midfielder? Well, it's interesting you actually mentioned that because I've actually flirted with that idea as well of actually pushing one into a midfield. Um, I, and I just can't bring myself to do it. And I feel like that's why, because I look at Dunkley in the midfield and I go, you, you know, I can play in there for six weeks. But then, you, you know, you're, you're basically sacrificing, you know, someone around his price. His price to play in midfield as a pure midfield. So um, I'm going to keep this short and simple. I think if you straight comparing them, so Taranto midfielder versus Green midfielder, I would be paying the extra 30K and going to Tom Green. If you're comparing the Taranto forward pick versus Green, the midfield pick, um, I think I'd be going Taranto. um, And that's purely because I don't think there's as many... Um, key forwards or pure, you know, premium forwards that are on the on the page at this stage. Um, whereas with Green, there's always going to be midfielders around his price um, who can, you, you know, score like Green, maybe not as well. Um, but yeah, with Taranto, I think I had a look a few minutes ago. I think the guys around him are like Hawkins, Cameron. Um, who obviously I don't think Cameron's a bad pick, but you probably wouldn't want to be picking them over Taranto. So, 
Um, yep. That's all I'll say on that matter. Um, is that, yeah, I think if you're doing a straight compare green, if you're going to put Taranto in the forward line, well, then I think Taranto is probably the better pick. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Um, I think that's all we got time for in this episode. We've, we've tried to keep it a bit shorter, um, even though there's a lot of stuff we can go through. Um, I know this almost went now as well. So, yeah, pre-season content, there's a lot to discuss about, um, but we're definitely aiming to keep these a lot shorter um, come round one, given that we're doing most of our, you know, um, weekly roundups with, with um, you know, per team and stuff like that and matches, match analysis online now and through our socials. But we'll see, you know, how this video is well, if it's well received or not, and if people want to continue to see it. Um, I know one person reached out to me um, asking if we could go through some point of difference players, some real unique players. Oh, um, that'll be interesting. A few up my sleeve, um, that's for sure. I'm sure Nathan and Jonas have a few few tricky ones. I've got a uh, couple. Yeah, that's something we can we can look into. Um, we're planning to, you know, release this later this week, and um, if we do do the the pod or the point of difference um, version of it, we'll probably release that later in the week as well. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the season ahead. I know Nathan's um, finalising his team as we speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking forward to the season ahead, and we'll have our you know round one team reveals i'm sure uh prior to next thursday because obviously the, the blues and tigers up then but until then and uh, we'll catch you for the next one <laughs>